Welcome to the Wealth with Purpose podcast, where people come to learn what the Bible says about money, wealth and business. Be inspired by some of the greatest Christian thinkers and commentators from around the planet. Enjoy this episode with your host, Alex Cook. A conversation I do want to invite you to join into. You might have a question or a scenario you'd like to run past our special guest today. We are back to what many will argue is one of the most important practical dimensions of our Christian walk, the way we think about money. The Bible is full of outstanding wisdom on finance, and these are difficult times for a lot of people right now. And with the prediction of another interest rate rise as early as next week, there's likely to be some more pain to come. Others are going to be saying, well, how do I maximize the potential of what I do have? Not only to survive, but to thrive financially and invest in a godly way. Well, it's always a good time to pause and evaluate our mindsets around money and investing using our wealth with purpose. Alex Cook is a former stockbroker. He's been a successful financial planner and he is the founder of Wealth With Purpose. His ministry is to help equip Christians to honour God with their finances by teaching sound financial skills. Alex Cook, a special welcome back to 2020. Thanks, Neil. Great to be uh, with you back again for the month. Alex, let's start with uh, maybe what we might think of as, uh, you know, a a quick economic roundup. I mentioned that there's all sorts of talk about interest rates rising again next Tuesday. Um, What are your thoughts, Mm. if you're in a nutshell, uh, how do we do a roundup on things economically, how things are affecting us in Australia, perhaps an international standard as well? Uh, What are your thoughts here? Yeah, well, look, it's been a very big month uh, in, in markets and in the economy. Uh, I mean, we've seen uh, inflation come out in Australia and the US, and I guess the, the slightly disappointing thing there is inflation is remaining higher than expected. The Australian figures came out last week and they were higher than what was expected. And so, of course, that's got people a little bit nervous and all the talk this week about interest rates rising next week. So that seems... Uh, you never say it's inevitable because you never know what the central banks are going to do, but it certainly looks like we'll experience another 25 basis point rate rise next week. Um, but of course, I think the question is what's actually going on in the broader economy and uh, really cost of living. And it's no surprise there. It's still pushing upwards. We're seeing that with rents. Uh, I mean, we've currently got the lowest rental vacancy in history. Uh, and that's, of course, because we're bringing in so many immigrants at the moment, something like, uh, like 600,000 students have come in in the last 18 months. So huge numbers of people coming into Australia. Uh, and, of course, uh, you know, we're seeing it in gas prices. We're seeing it, um, of course, the war. And the war, unfortunately, wars tend to be very inflationary in nature. You know, there's risk of supply chains being cut, things like that. And so you've got this upward pressure. That we're experiencing, and so hence rate rises. But of course, the other area of action is not just the economy, but has been uh, markets. And over the last month, the uh, stock 
markets have fallen around, uh, particularly you know when we think of Australia and the rest, they're off uh, about five or six percent. Uh, but the reaction, funnily enough, is not actually the stock market; it's the bond market. You know, bond markets we kind of think of as a bit of a, a boring type investment, lending your money to the government and getting back an interest rate. But what we're seeing in the bond Alex, markets, Alex, I've got to cut is... in here for a moment. Uh, I know that listeners will be able to hear there's a bit of interference coming on our link here. Uh, you were you were taking us into a quick economic update roundup. Uh, it might be good to just perhaps just uh, start just uh, with a, a quick in a nutshell overview once again on on how you're seeing things uh, not only nationally but globally. Yeah, sure. Look, I mean, the, the big thing that's obviously happening in Australia is we're seeing the cost of living continuing to rise. The inflation figures came out last week and they were slightly higher than expected. So unfortunately for for many, that means there's a fairly high probability of a rate rise when the central bank uh, meets next week. And it's been driven by things like, uh, you know, we've got record low vacancy rates across Australia, the lowest, I believe, in uh, recorded history. Uh, so rent, there's pressures on rents, obviously pressures on uh, various prices for things, whether it's gas or mortgages, etc. So people, I think, are feeling that squeeze. And so the expectation is the Reserve Bank will, you know, inter, you know, interfere again and uh, raise rates further to try and bring the cost of living under control. But globally, it's been uh, very interesting in terms of uh, markets. Markets have had a very busy month. Stock markets have all fallen, uh, five plus percent or so. Uh, but the real action's been going on in the bond market. Now, when we think of bonds, we tend to think of them as pretty boring, safe, stable investments. Uh, but the big thing that's happened is the the interest rate, the yields on bonds have really risen dramatically. Uh, and of course, that's due to a range of reasons, but inflation obviously being the main one. But it's going to cause all sorts of potential interesting issues. The big thing in America is that the banks hold a lot of bonds on their balance sheet as uh, reserves. And when those yields go up, bond prices go down. And so Bank of America, for example, which is their biggest bank, has got $140 billion in unrealised losses on their balance sheet. So people may remember back in March this year, we had a bit of a, you know, a couple of banks in the US go broke. Oh, I don't think there's risk of a Bank of America, but certainly there's a huge banking issue brewing uh, in, in the United States. And what we're seeing as a result of that is gold has exploded upwards. Uh, so in Australian dollars, it's at record levels. And the other interesting one, just for, as a side note, is Bitcoin's also exploded higher in the last uh, month as well. So we're seeing you know, the growth assets like shares fall and the defensive things like uh, gold rally and, and Bitcoin going up with it as well. So it's yeah, a very interesting month with what's going on. Volatility is back, put it that way. Volatility is back. I know there are some predictions of a global slowdown into 2024. Uh, obviously, wars have an impact on that sort of thing too. Uh, how are you seeing things, you know, with some of that volatility in financial markets? There's some of that no doubt affected by some of the big issues like wars. Yeah, look, I mean, obviously we've witnessed the tragic uh, uh, issue going on in Israel and, and Gaza, and uh, wars have a huge economic impact, obviously devastating for the people that are in the, the region. But in, in a global economic sense, war is very inflationary. 
uh, what you see is the cost of things start to rise because supply chains get cut off. And we saw this during COVID. You know, we saw the price of uh, building materials, for example, have exploded in Australia. And of course, uh, the cost of all sorts of other things went up as well at the same time. And so that's one of the, the, the big risks of war. Um, and of course, at the moment, it's very contained, but the, the big concern and fear out there, and I think why you're seeing gold particularly take off, is because of the, the un massive uncertainty that this war doesn't snowball into something else and becomes more of a, a regional war, uh, and then potentially even worse than, than that, which, you know, let's pray it doesn't, but certainly it's, it's a risk uh, at the moment with what's going on. And that will have a, obviously a significant impact on the global economy, uh, the inevitable slowdown if that were to occur. And look, the slowdown was already in motion as it was. I mean, global economies are slowing down just as interest rates rise. So um, war will just exacerbate that. Let's take a call. Craig is in Roxby Downs in South Australia. Hey, Craig, welcome along. Good, Neil. Hey, Alex, how you going, mate? Hey, good, yourself. Hello. Yeah, good. Now, uh, yeah, talking about investment. Yeah, talking about investments now, um, you hear a lot about crypto, um, but the thing is uh, crypto being the uh, one um, currency in the world, is it the mark of a beast as explained in uh, Revelations chapter 13? Uh, that's an interesting one. I'll let you take that away one, Alex. Yeah, look, I mean, I don't think crypto is the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast, it may be a, a sort of a precursor to it. I think what we're witnessing is this gigantic move to digital money. Uh, and so crypto is really the, the precursor. The big development going on around the world at the moment is about 140 central banks around the world are working on their own central bank digital currency. And so if there is a major crisis, you can imagine that most central banks will want to move to a digital currency where they have a bit more control over what's going on. Uh, and then the potential from that, and there's you know, people who talk about then, you know, things like microchipping people in order to do transactions and all sorts of things. So I don't think crypto itself is the, the mark of the beast, but you can see where it's heading and you can certainly see, and I guess the fascinating thing about being alive at the moment is the technology now exists uh, for, pe you know, for people to be cut out of the system you know, Revelation, it says you won't be able to trade without the mark of the beast. In history, you wouldn't have thought that would be possible with gold and silver and all these kind of things. But now with digital money, it would be entirely possible and plausible for people to be completely cut out of the system. So you can see where it's heading, but I don't think we're there yet. Craig, anything further to add? No, that's a good answer. Okay. Hey, thank you so much for your call. And our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. Hey, Alex, you mentioned that there's a resurgence in things like uh, cryptocurrencies and things like that. Um, you've always been warning that you ought to be ultra-cautious around these sorts of things. No doubt there'll be publicity around those sorts of rises. Any thoughts here for listeners around how they think about their own finances. And, uh, of course, you know, you might, uh, might be a parent. You might have uh, teenage, young adult uh, children who are caught up in a crypto frenzy uh, or at least a hangover from that, from when things were really booming. Uh, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, look, it's, a, it's a, an important question because there is such a great deal of interest now. Um, look, there's something like 20,000 cryptocurrencies, and the vast majority of them are, are fairly worthless, 
and will only become more worthless in the future. A lot of them are really scams. But there's a couple of big ones like Bitcoin that are very interesting in the sense they have uh, they have real world applications. So for example, you can have crypto credit cards and you can load Bitcoin on it. So there's the, the bigger ones that have a much more use, if you like. Um, the, the concern I've always had with them is just the sheer volatility of it. Uh, you know, Bitcoin last year plummeted, I think, what, 90% in value, and this year it's up 100% in value. So you see it has, has these wild swings, and therefore it doesn't act as a good store of wealth for the average person. You know, if you're a retiree, the last thing you want is an investment that's going up and down like that. Um, uh, so I, I always say to people, if you are going to put your, you know, dip your toe in the water with things like that, you allocate a very, very small amount of capital uh, to, to limit your risk because it is, at, at the end of the day, it is still very speculative in nature. In saying all that, it is genuine a technology, the, the blockchain technology, and that is being rolled out around the world. Banks are investigating it. The central banks are looking at using it. So there is a, a genuine move to that digital technology, um, but it's also going to become highly regulated. So uh, I think one of the risks to crypto is that the government uh, makes it harder to access. You know, the on-ramps and off-ramps to and from the banking system become more difficult and therefore it becomes harder to get access to your, your coin. So I just think people need to be be cautious. It, it's not a proven thing in the way that, say, gold is over thousands of years. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a much newer technology. And I just think uh, being wise and never allocating too much to it is a sensible uh, strategy. So, Alex, when you've got these sorts of things changing trends and, you know, the appearance of different technologies that create all sorts of different ways of thinking, how do we apply a biblical, godly mindset across the new technologies and the new trends? Sometimes people think that biblical wisdom's outdated because new technologies are bringing in different things. But, but you know, does, does the divine wisdom of God ever get outdated? Absolutely not. And I think uh, the good thing is that the Bible gives us immense wisdom about how to handle money. And of course, whether you have new technology or not, the principles, particularly uh, stewardship, the idea that the money I have is really God. So whether I have Bitcoin or whether I have gold or whether I have Aussie dollars or property, um, I'm called to be a good steward with whatever God has put in my hands. And, and that principle doesn't change. And it also puts a responsibility on us because as a Christian, we want to be good stewards. We want to handle things well. We don't want to take silly risks because we want to sow into kingdom things. So if we lose money and, and don't handle it well and don't handle it wisely, uh, we then run the risk of um, you know losing God's money. And we, you know, we, want, we don't want to do that. We want to be able to sow and build God's kingdom. And so those things always apply. And of course, the good thing, of course, about the Bible is it actually gives us investment strategies. And like one fabulous example, which is very applicable at the time, at the moment, when you consider all the volatility, you know, Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 11, verse 2 says, invest in seven ventures, yes, in eight, because you do not know what disaster may come upon the land. And really what that's saying is what any financial planner will tell you, and that is, you know, you don't put all your eggs in one basket, you diversify. So the, the, there's, the principles in Scripture are timeless, and we can apply them irrespective of whether there's uh, new technologies or not. But it does start with that heart and mind uh, you know, that are aligned with Scripture and realising that it's all God's anyway. And that's the starting point, I think, for any investing. And 
any, any handling of money at all. What about the thought of, you know, those sorts of things, the stewardship, uh, the financial responsibility before God? Well, that must be for... Uh, people who are pastors and people who are mature and, you know, some of the, the elders at my church or something like that. And uh, does that really apply to me, who I might even be a new Christian or I might feel like I'm fairly immature in these things and really uh, trying to align my money might be the, you know, the sort of thing that I might be thinking is the least of my problems right now. But what about who we uh, who we are as a people of God and how serious we take aligning our finances to a kingdom type of perspective like that you've got? Mm. Well, look, it's, it's a fascinating thing. I mean, historically, if we think uh, in Australia, people have just had the sort of traditional investing approach, whether it's buying shares, buying real estate and things like that. But what we're witnessing now uh, across Australia, but certainly in the U.S., is an explosion in not just ethical investing, but in investing according to kingdom principles. What does that really mean? Well, a lot of Christians, you know, would feel uncomfortable, for example, buying a gambling business. You know, we want to invest in things that don't harm people. So there's now this growing area in investments that are aligned to your values. And it can be in one of two ways. It can be what we call negative screening, where you remove things that don't align with your values, so gambling obviously being a good one for Christians or businesses that support abortion and and things like that. Uh, But there's also another way of looking at it, and that's the positive screening, and that is that you're investing in businesses uh, that will have a genuine impact for good, and that is a growing area uh, around the world, but especially uh, in the United States. There are, in fact, Uh, Bible-based, what we call exchange-traded funds. So many listeners will have their money in superannuation in what we call managed funds, where a professional fund manager is looking looking after your money. Uh, In in America, you have those, but you also have ones that are Bible-based. In other words, they're investing uh, with positive screens, looking for companies that are doing good and also avoiding the ones that are not. So it's this really exciting area because going forward, Christians will be able to invest more and more in things that align with what they believe and avoid the ones that they don't, because that's obviously a growing problem, particularly as our, you know, our society shifts, you know, it's changing so rapidly and the values that we hold dear as, as believers, are, you know, they're, they're leaving the Western world. And so we need to find ways to invest in things that do have that alignment. So it's, it's a growing area. It's exciting. And it's also a way to make a huge difference. You know, you're putting your money to work in things that are going to have a positive impact on the world, on people, and on building God's kingdom. So that's, you know, extremely exciting going forward. Alex, in a day that we're in of cancel culture, where uh, people are saying, I'm not going to support that business because of their particular alignments, and oftentimes uh, we see cancel culture working against Christians and against Christian initiatives, what about the Christian who is mindful of having a, a divine set of principles by which we invest? Uh, is it something that you encourage that, you know, you ought to look for the right investments that are aligned with your values, that are aligned with something that is going to be impacting on the world? Is this something we ought to be on the lookout for? Absolutely. Look, I think as... Um you know, as a believer, we want to invest in things that do no harm. 
And of course, many of uh, the businesses now in in corporate Australia and corporate America, they're promoting values that not only do it, that don't align to Christian beliefs, but in the long run will be harmful to society in general. So, uh, you know, as they say, money you know money ca- causes people to react and do things, and so. If people stop investing in those businesses that are doing harm or, you know, they're not, or particularly as a customer, if you're taking your business from one uh, business to another, then that will have a big impact on the the management of that business. I mean, we saw that, uh, what, a couple of months ago with uh, the massive business and how she, Boyce, I think I can't remember if I pronounced it correctly, the big yep. uh, beer company the in beer America company, that owns yep. Bud Light. Hmm. Yeah, and they were, you know they promoted uh, that particular can with the transgender activist on it, and of course their sales plummeted. That fell twenty five percent in a very short period, and haven't recovered yet. Uh, and so, you know, people are now starting to vote with their feet, and uh, that's as a customer. And I think as Christians, we should do that. I don't think we need to make a big song and dance and things like that, but we should certainly put our money into things and spend money with things that are doing good, not things that are doing harm. And that, of course, that same principle as a customer, we can apply to the way we invest as well. I would want to say that it's it's not perfect. To try and find the perfect business that has that lines up is not that easy, uh, particularly as this is a, an industry in its infancy, um, but it is growing going forward. And as I say, it's very exciting because in the future, we will be able to invest more and more aligned with the way, um, you know, with the beliefs we have. So it's exciting, um, but not easy at this point. We're going to talk in just a few moments about some common investment mistakes that Christians ought to be aware of. But let's take a call before we do that. Let's hear from Anne in Labrador in Queensland. Hi, Anne. Welcome along. Hi. Hi, that's great. Um, Listen, I was just, I've just come home and just listened to a bit of what you were saying. But what I'm thinking is that we should not go into debt. And if you want to buy a house, I I can't buy a house because I haven't got the money to buy a house. But I'm just saying that if you're going to buy a house, make sure that you have got the finances, not only for that when you you have to uh, put a loan, that you have got also the money for the interest because sometimes you might buy it like they did early on when the interest was low and then the interest has gone up. So... I think you've got to be very wise in what you do in that way. And number one thing is give to what God has done is our our tie. And even if you you can do that, also give to what um, other things that that God would want you to give as well. So and good thoughts. Let's get a response yeah. here from Alex. Alex, thoughts for Anne. Yeah, look, I, I love Anne's comments about debt. In fact, I was thinking I could uh, give her my job and talk to people about debt. Look, uh, I think she's hit the nail on the head. Debt is a massive issue. And, uh, you know, the Bible doesn't ever suggest that debt is sinful. But what it does say is that it warns us in Proverbs that debt can lead to slavery. And I think Anne's point is very valid is if you've taken on too much debt when rates were low, there is the risk that as rates rise, uh, that you become enslaved. Uh, So the advice that I always give people when you're thinking about debt, particularly a mortgage, is you try and keep the mortgage repayments to 30% or under of your net income. Because once you go above that, uh, then you're going to start to um, 
really impact other areas, like, for example, Anne mentioned tithing. But the reality is the more debt you have, the more you reduce your ability to sow into kingdom things and to live a generous life. So I think Anne's point is very valid. Be cautious with debt. Treat it as though it's a bit of a hot potato and just be wise um, because God does not want us enslaved. He wants us to uh, to be general, generous and to be financially free. So great, uh, great comments, Anne. Anne in Labrador, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316. You might have a question. You might have your own scenario. You might have a comment about what's happening economically, uh, call us on 1-800-316-316. Hey, Alex, let's talk about some common investment mistakes to avoid. Uh, where do we start here? And is, are, there, are these things specific for, for Christian believers or this for everyone? How do you uh, frame that? Uh, but what are the common investment mistakes? Yeah, look... Um it's, it's, it's an important question because, you know, people make mistakes very easy. And I think the, the fascinating thing, I think, from a Christian point of view is, you know, the Bible warns us of our sinful nature. <laughs> and uh, the problem with our sinful nature is it often gets us to make unwise decisions. Uh, and probably the, the big thing with anything to do with money and particularly with wealth creation, you know, when we think about investing is the risk that we become greedy. Uh, so, for example, we might meet uh, an investment advisor or a property developer or, or someone who's trying to sell us something and they promise great returns, they promise very high returns, and the risk is that we, our, our human nature, our greed kicks in because, you know, we want more than what we have. That's unfortunately a human, human trait. And our greed clouds our judgment and we invest in things that do then poorly because, you know, we've bought into it for the wrong reasons. We've bought into something that's too good to be true. And it's often driven by our greed. Um, and equally, the other side of human nature is impatience. You know, when it comes to investing, we need to have that sort of mature, long-term approach, buying good quality things and holding on to them for the long term and being patient. Not, you know, the Bible warns us about trying to get rich quick. You know, we can fall into a lot of trouble if we try and get rich quick. Um, and so being patient, you know, buy good quality things and be patient with them are some of the things that we should be thinking about to avoid these kinds of mistakes. So we've kind of got to guard our hearts and be wise with how we're thinking about investing. And possibly the most common one that I see, you know, as, as a, a financial advisor is the failure to diversify. Often what happens is, we fall in love with the particular investment. You know, we see a, a property that we really love or that we, we have a, a share investment that does really well and we fall in love with it and then we end up buying more of it or, we, we you know, we, we chase after something and get more and more only to realise, hang on a minute, it wasn't actually that good in the first place and we fail to diversify. Uh, and, of course, the Bible tells us that we should invest in multiple things, not in one thing. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. And so that's a really common mistake uh, that I see uh, that people make. And, you know, back to that previous caller, she talked about debt. Um, one of the mistakes, I think, is borrowing to invest. Now, for some things like investment property, the vast majority of people are going to need some debt to buy the investment property. But I think the, the risk is that you over-borrow. There's a real temptation in our society that pumps out this message that you need to borrow to get ahead, you need to borrow to build wealth. That that mentality is a risky one and we can often take on too much debt than we, than we should have. 
Um, and so we can, you know, become enslaved and the investment does poorly because we're servicing so much debt. So look, there's some of the, uh, if you like, the common ones that I see, but there's certainly others as well. Alex, come back to greed for a moment here, uh, because, uh, you know, you can't serve two masters. Uh, you'll love one and hate the other, or however the uh, scripture there uh, looks. But reactions to greed, because... I imagine that, uh, as you say, it's not wrong uh, to be investing and, uh, you know, thinking of an investment property or whatever. Uh, But if you're mindful of greed, you might be thinking, am I being greedy by wanting to get ahead? Uh, Is having extra finance actually going to put me into a greed category? I mean, I, I guess these are issues of the heart, aren't they, around money, where God is speaking into the issues of the heart but uh, would you be governed by the thought that I don't want to appear greedy, so I won't invest, and therefore I won't be as uh, wealth productive as what I could be? Any thoughts here around this? Certainly, yeah. some sort of alignment with something like a poverty mentality sometimes, because you're afraid of being seen to be in greed when the people you mix with perhaps are, uh, are not doing so well. Yeah, look, it's a really interesting question. And I, I, the way I'd answer it is I think the Bible uh, makes a very big distinction between saving versus hoarding. So for in Proverbs, you know, in Proverbs chapter 6, it refers to the ants where it's, it says, consider its ways and be wise. It stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. So the implication there is that saving for things in the future and storing up for future purposeful things is a worthwhile activity. But then equally, the Bible, on the other hand, uh, like in Ecclesiastes, says, you know, I've seen a grievous ill under the sun, wealth hoarded to the harm of its owners. So there's a big distinction, I think, in Scripture between uh, saving and hoarding. And um, when we become greedy, you know, more and more and more, we run the risk of hoarding things away that are never going to be used, never sewn into anything, and ultimately get passed on to somebody else, you know, you know, our, our beneficiaries, whereas saving and building wealth for things that are of purpose, like you know, such as saving for practical things like our families and our kids' education and retirement, things like that, they're worthwhile things. Um, and, of course, sowing into kingdom things and saving for those things and building wealth so that you can give more, I think is, is a very worthwhile exercise. The danger is when we become greedy and we hoard money away and and basically there's no real purpose behind it. And that is a huge risk uh, for people because, you know, the other verse I love is Deuteronomy 8.18. It says, remember the Lord for it is he who gives you the ability to gain wealth. And, of course, the problem is when people gain wealth, they forget the Lord. And so that's one of the dangers that greed has. You know, we can fall in love with money and Jesus warns us, you know, you can't serve both. Um, and so we've got to guard our hearts at all times. Make sure we're saving purposefully, but not hoarding and being greedy uh, with what God has blessed us with. Okay, that little wisdom from the ant, and coming into times that are already, for some, harder economic times. uh, Others have got spare money ready to invest and looking for some insight and uh, even some inspiration as to how they might move in that direction. How do we deal with issues like timing? Uh, Because, you know, there's 
sometimes there's a selling season, a buying season in the real estate market. And of course, uh, you know, you might be watching the stock markets to see, is there a timing issue here? Is this one of those sort of things that uh, the Christian believer needs to be especially aware of? A little bit like watching the weather. Yeah, it's it's a great risk. I mean, um, there's an expression that we use uh, in the financial markets and amongst financial advisors, and that is, it's about time in the market, not timing the market. Uh, the the reality is, no one knows the future, and so even though you know we look at the news and we we, we hear the economists speak and we hear the predictions, the reality is. No one really knows. I mean, at the start of the year, most people thought house prices would fall as rates rise. And of course, they've gone the other way. House prices are up 9% nationally. So the point is, no one really knows the future. And so trying to time things is very, very difficult to the extent that I'd use the word impossible. And so the much smarter approach is to follow biblical principles, and that is to diversify, invest in quality, and be patient. So if you stick to those, you know, big picture principles, buying quality, diversify and and hold on for the long term, you don't need to worry about timing. Uh, you know, you can you can make sensible quality investments and let time do the work rather than trying to time it and stress yourself out thinking, oh, is it good now? Is it bad now? Because the reality is no one knows the future. So it's, it's important to deal with that and deal with our human nature. Let's talk about how you invest uh, that spare cash that you might have sitting in the bank right now. Um, You can DIY, uh, no doubt, and uh, look for good opportunities on your own. Uh, No doubt there'll be some listening for a cue or a hint as we're listening into your responses to these sorts of issues. Um, The thought of seeking professional advice, because there are going to be people who have, uh, you know, financial advising qualifications uh, and they'll hopefully be ethical people, but they may not have the Christian values that you have. Um, What are your thoughts here around seeking professional advice? And, uh, you know, if you have a kingdom mindset, find a Christian financial advisor, what are your thoughts here? Look, I certainly encourage people to do so. I mean, the reality is we, we often, when it comes to money, we don't know what we don't know. And so going to see a professional advisor, and look, the same applies to accounting. You know, I'm, I'm not a whiz at taxes, for example, so I need an accountant. And likewise with law, you know, I don't know how to do wills and things like that, so I go and see a lawyer. So the principle of getting advice is, you know, it's straight out of Proverbs, funnily enough. Uh, you know, Proverbs says, without consultation, plans are frustrated, but with many counsellors, they succeed. So... The idea of getting advice from people who have got experience, uh, ideally who are Christian, because then they can sow into a, you know, a biblical view towards these things, and particularly the money, I think is enormously valuable. But the thing, or the reason why I encourage people to see financial advisors uh, is for one big reason, and that is the one that they don't think about, and that is mistake prevention. To me, the biggest area that advisors add value is mistake prevention because many people you know they've read the media they've read oh maybe you should do this maybe you should do that and they'll they'll make decisions based on limited knowledge limited skill and I think uh, and also people trying to sell them things whereas a good quality objective Christian advisor should be able to point you in the right direction and help prevent you making mistakes and to being wise with the money uh, that God's blessed you with. 
So, yeah, I think there's enormous value in talking to others and, and getting wise counsel. Okay, let's uh, let's bring our conversation around, uh, you know, some positive, impactful, practical things that we might be able to think about if you want that spare finance that you do have uh, to be directed in such a way as it has an eternal impact on someone's life. Uh, and some might be thinking, well, if I invest in certain investments that might have a biblical or ethical value that somehow or other they're not going to be as fruitful financially as what some other maybe less ethical looking investments look. How do you describe those sorts of things? How do you approach that with people when they are concerned about investing in some things that are good, but they might not be feeling as though they're going to get the best return on those? Yeah, well, it's interesting. There's, there's a growing body of research that shows that investing ethically doesn't have a negative impact. You know, some people think, oh, you know, because they're avoiding, you know, gambling companies, which are cash cows, and they they think that because avoiding those kind of things, they, their returns are going to be lesser. Uh, but the evidence suggests the opposite. And, and often the quality of management in good companies led by good people who are trying to do the right thing, uh, logically, are also going to do really well. Um, and so I, I think... Being you can be ethical in your investment approach and still expect you know good rates of return, uh, and so yeah, I think as a, as a Christian we should have that frame of uh, frame of res- reference. Um, but also to say that there is a growing opportunity here for us to invest in ways that do have that eternal impact. Now, some of it is through investing in things that align with our values. So, for example, positive screens where you know, the, the business that you're investing in is doing positive things for the world. And then there's negative screens where you avoid the things that are doing bad things to the world. But then there's this huge growing market. And this is the one that really excites me of what we call impact investing. So it's not so much about avoiding, you know, bad things, but it's actually about investing in things that have a specific outcome. Um, so, for example, there's the development of what we call social impact bonds. There's uh, the one that I love is microfinance, where essentially you're lending money to people in emerging economies in in poorer countries. You know, you're giving them micro loans to help them start businesses. And if you look at the statistics, the the rate of return on those is good, but you're actually helping people up out of poverty. You know, you're encouraging entrepreneurialism. uh, You're helping people start a business so that they can, you know, pay for their family, hire staff and lift people out of poverty. And it's had a tremendous impact around the world. So I think that we need to change our mentality as just, oh, I just want a positive return to I want a positive return, but also want to invest in things that align with my values and that are going to have a positive social impact on the world because those investments do exist. And as I say, it's a growing trend uh, around the world and especially in the US because obviously they're a strong Christian market. Uh, but it's growing even in Australia as well. So we should be excited about the options available to us and the difference we can make with our money. We can invest in things that will get us a return and make a difference in other people's lives. Well, we're coming to the end of our conversation. Uh, If we were wrapping things up, and I don't know whether you've got a little dot point list at all, uh, Alex, but uh, (laughs) some biblical principles... Uh, that are going to help us to invest uh, with the sorts of wisdom that you're talking about today, 
Um, I don't know, where do you start with this? And I guess something overall, but uh, are there a sort of a list of biblical principles that you're often asked about and say, well, how does the Bible actually impact my decisions with my money? Uh, What can we finish up with? Yeah, look, just a couple of, I guess, key things. To get on the investing, you know, the investing path, the first thing we need to do is save. You know, we talked about the ant before, you've got to save. Because uh, saving is how you you, you know you build up reserves so that you can then invest in things. So that's the first big one. The second thing is once you've saved, you then want to do your homework. You want to do your research. I think it was uh, Jesus himself who said in Luke, you know, if you want to build a tower, you got to sit down and count the cost. So we want to actually do our diligence, do our homework, and then look at the possible investment options available to us. So you know, do your do your homework. Then the third thing is once we've done our homework, make sure we diversify. You know, make sure we don't put all our eggs into the one thing, put our capital at risk. And then, of course, you know, the other thing we talked about earlier is don't be afraid to get advice. Talk to people who who know, who've got experience uh, and who are going to act in your best interests and help you make these good, wise decisions. So I think there's a few tips there to, you know, start that journey. But, of course, it starts with saving and having money to invest. So important place to start. Well, uh, we do have to wrap things up, but uh, always outstanding advice and a biblical foundation to good advice from Alex Cook. Alex is the founder of Wealth With Purpose. You can connect with Alex at wealthwithpurpose.com. There's all sorts of free resources on his website too if you're interested in uh, getting a whole lot of different uh, perspectives on all of the dimensions of uh, the sorts of things we might do with our finances. You can also follow Alex on Facebook and on Twitter. Uh, There's even an Ask Alex uh, email address, askalex at wealthwithpurpose.com. So the website is wealthwithpurpose.com. Alex Cook, thanks so much for sharing your thoughts and your insights with us today on 2020. Thanks, Neil. My pleasure. Great to be uh, with you as always. Thanks for tuning into the Wealth With Purpose podcast. For more great biblical wisdom and free resources, please visit www.wealthwithpurpose.com.